In this episode, I talk with real estate mogul, sales guru, and television star, Ryan Serhant. Let's go. Alright guys, welcome back to another episode of the Millennial Momentum Podcast. This is your host, Tom Malamo. You can find me on social, at Tommy Tahoe. Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, uh, hit me up on LinkedIn, very active, would love to hear from you. And if you're new to the show, thank you for joining, appreciate you checking us out. Uh, This show is all about millennial personal development, right, and getting to the next level in whatever that is you're going for in life. If you're trying to get the promotion, trying to make more money, have a better relationship, you know, drop some pounds, get in better shape, I think in order to do that, you need three things. You need a relentless work ethic, you need a positive growth mindset, and you need a little momentum, which is forward motion with energy. You know, get that ball rolling. And I'm hoping that this show, the blog, the videos, the podcast, everything that I do can be that spark of momentum for you. I hope it can be that for me. I've got things I'm striving towards here. It's the last week of the quarter. It's the last week of March. I'm really focusing hard. So thank you for checking this out. The only thing I'll say If you find any value here, please subscribe, leave a review on iTunes. That means the world. Hit me up on millennialmomentum.net on my social channels. Let me know. Tell a friend. Um, That that means a lot. I do this all outside of my full-time job in uh, as a sales manager at a tech company, Tech Target. Shout out to Tech Target. So I do this uh, 5 to 7 a.m. I do this. 8 to 10 p.m. I do this Saturdays. I do this Sundays. And it's all just to drive value and to learn and to grow and to help you do the same. So that's the plug. I don't make a dime. I don't make a penny. So any sort of sharing that you can do is really all I ask. And I really appreciate that. Now for today's episode, I am stoked for this one. Uh, Ryan Serhant, you probably know him. Million Dollar Listing New York. Sell It Like Serhant, both television shows, national TV. Uh, he has a book, Sell It Like Serhant. He, you know, his writing is on New York Times, Wall Street Journal. He's on CNN. He's on CNBC. He's got a very popular sales vlog on YouTube. And the whole reason that he does, he gets this notoriety, he, he has this fame, is that his team sells nearly $1 billion dollars in real estate every year in New York City. And as you may expect, that success didn't come by chance. You know, he follows a plan each and every day that drives those results. And, you know, Scott Adams, the cartoonist, is famous uh, for saying, you know, losers have goals, winners have systems. And Sirhan has a system that gets him to where he wants to be. Um, you know, he starts, for him, the day starts the night before. You know, he's up late. 10, 11 p.m., following up from all the meetings that he has during the day, tries his best to get to inbox zero. He confirms all of his appointments for the next day so everyone knows he's on top of his game. Uh, the next day he's up, 4.30 in the morning. He's reading, he's sending emails, he heads over to the gym. Uh, you know, Like a lot of people that I speak to and listen to, and I would agree with this myself, the morning gym session for him, that's his anchor. As crazy as the day may get, the negotiations, you know, the hurdles of, of sales, the obstacles, running a business, the gym's the one thing that, that holds him together in the morning and that, you know, if he can get through that, 
he can get through whatever the rest of the day holds. As he says, you know, initiative is a salesperson's best friend. So he's getting after it early. After shower, breakfast, he's off to work. And he puts those, he splits his work into three different segments. Finder, keeper, and doer time. So the finder times, that that's when he's prospecting. He's finding new business. He's trying to grow. He's expanding. His keeper time is when he's strategizing on his current customers and business, maybe the financials. You know, how do I keep my customers? How do I keep business going? Marketing, advertisements, things like that. And then the doer time is when he spends uh, time doing actually all the work that he set up for himself in those other two times. So it's, you know, following up with people, it's sending the emails, it's working on the proposals, it's actually doing all that legwork. And he's always striving for more. He's you know, spread throughout the day. He's got 15 to 20 minute, uh, 15 to 20, 30 minute appointments. He's got intermittent patches where he's filming for the vlogs. He's doing television shows. He's writing. He's doing all these things. He says complacency is death and progress is happiness. I'm going to give it to you one more time. Complacency is death. Progress is happiness. It's all about getting 1% better. Towards the close of his day, he's usually done, like I said, 10, 11, 12 p.m., and he follows up. He does follow up in three different ways. He follows up. That's time spent following up from the day's meetings. Always the same day. Follow back. He's you know spends time reaching back to prospects and customers he might not have heard back from a while. And then he follows through, which is interesting. You know, he, he spends time doing the things that he's promised for other people. So, you know, that thing that someone brought up on a call that, you know, they might like if you did it, but they might not remember, so you don't do it. That that's not what he does. He always follows through. That's a differentiator for him. And you know, I was introduced to his book from, you know, a really good friend of mine, uh, you know, Daniel Zichlinski. Shout out to Daniel. And you know, found a lot of value in his book a couple months ago. I read it towards the end of the year, the sales year, and it really taught me a lot about you know thinking big and the follow up and follow back and follow through. I use that. Uh, I use a lot of the things that he teaches in my day to day to be more effective, to get more done in a day, uh, to keep pushing the boundaries of you know what you might have set for you from a sales perspective, um, and to keep going for it. And success begets success, and the only way to get there is hard work. You know, Ryan says, the more successful I am, the earlier I wake up, the harder I work, the more I'm in the office, because I have more to fight for. So what are you waiting for? Create your system or follow Sirhan's and push yourself to the next level. With that said, I'm really excited to get into this interview with Ryan Sirhan. All right, now on the show, you may know him from Million Dollar Listing New York. Uh, sell it like Sirhant, the show, the book by the same name. You may know him from his vlog, his speaking engagements, or the fact that his team sells nearly a billion with a B dollars every single year in real estate in New York City. One of the greatest salesmen, perhaps in the world, Ryan Sirhant, welcome to the show. <laughs> How are you? Good morning. Good, man. How are you? good in the world that's a heavy heavy intro i'm going to try to do my best to live up to that for you you think that's true uh i don't actually i think there's a i think there's a lot of really really great salespeople out there who sell a lot of different types of things i'm sure there are much much better ones than than me 
that's for sure. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's humble, but you're, you're definitely someone that, um, like most of us are accidental salespeople, right? You got into sales, you had a heavy theater background. I think you said growing up that, you know, if someone would have told you you'd be selling real estate, you would have said they're crazy. Um, but here you are, that's what you're known for, right? So, um, can you speak to the process of being an accidental salesperson and how that really came to be? Um, yeah, absolutely. I, you know, kind of just on the, the surface, you know, I, I grew up not really being great at too many things. The one thing I actually kind of liked at, even though I wasn't great at it, I think I was good at it, was acting. I liked doing theater. I liked performing. Um, and I kind of did that through college. And then when I graduated college, I said to myself, you know what, if I'm going to try this acting thing, I might as well try it now versus getting a regular job and then trying it when I'm 40 or 50 and have a family. And, you know, that'll be really, really tough. So I took a little bit of money that I had from summer jobs and my grandfather had died and left me a little bit of cash and um, moved to New York City without a job with two college roommates that I had had. And we lived in a, you know, the classic one bedroom that we converted into three bedrooms on 66th and 1st and gave acting a shot. And I did a few things. I was on a soap opera for a little bit, but mostly I just worked for free a lot. A lot of free theater, did a lot of auditions, got rejected every single day. Um, which, you know, in hindsight, uh, really, really helped me as a salesperson because it helped me build up a thick skin. And then in the summer of 2008, I basically just ran out of money and I either needed to get some sort of job, like a survival job and bartend or wait tables or do one of those things. Um, or I needed to move home because I just couldn't afford to live in New York City anymore. And so it was really the lack of funds to live in the city that pushed me to getting into sales. And a friend of mine who I went to college with, who was doing pretty well, said, listen, get your real estate license. You can rent an apartment a month, make your own schedule. You don't have to come to the office every day, do whatever you want. And uh, you can pay your bills and then do, you know, whatever you want with the rest of your month. And that seemed like a pretty good idea, even though real estate agents sucked. It was the last thing I ever wanted to do. And so I got my real estate license and I started on the day Lehman Brothers filed for bankruptcy on September 15th, 2008. And I was not a natural born salesman whatsoever. I'm uncomfortable in crowds. I didn't like talking to strangers. I the whole process of renting people apartments or even trying to sell people apartments was really uncomfortable. I had no idea what I was doing, but I slowly taught myself a huge part. And I talk about this a lot in the book because my back was up against the wall. And I, I think that that was incredibly, incredibly important towards what pushed me to try to succeed. Um, and then I just got addicted to it. And then I just started showing up at the office, you know, every other day and every day. And I, I really started having fun. And even though I had really bad days and, Sales is an emotional roller coaster. I, I became obsessed with the idea that whatever I put into work, for the most part, I could probably pull out. Whereas with acting, I could work my ass off for three months, six months, and all I would end up doing is spending money. And maybe I made some connections, but there would be no no guarantee that I'd actually make a living. Um, yeah. And that's really how I got into sales. I was, I was broke. And that's one of the best things about it is that there's you know really no ceiling, right? There's no cap. You can as much as you put in, as good as you can be, you're going to reap the rewards of that. But for yeah. someone that like yourself comes in to sales, you know, more so as a need rather than a want. No one really, not very few people get raised to be salespeople, and they want to be a salesman or a saleswoman when they're 12 years old, right? Um, do you think it was that early? some of the success that you had that, you know, success 
beget success and that allowed you to get more comfortable with it and more into it? Or do you think, um, you know, it was really just that financial need? Like, I guess my question is for someone that's starting out and maybe they have a rough first six months, how do you know if, man, maybe sales just isn't for me versus I need to make a few tweaks? Well, I think first you have to realize that you're probably going to have a rough first two years. Yeah. That's what you kind of have to build into it. You have to prepare not to make money for two years, but you're going to be paid in dividends throughout the rest of your life if you can just get through those first two years. It's just like going into the army. Like you got to go through boot camp. It's going to suck. Not everyone makes it, but if you can make it through, you'll learn a lot. You'll come out tougher and you'll be able to do a lot more after that than you ever even thought was possible for yourself. And that's, that's the same thing for sales. So those first two years are going to be brutal. Um, and you want to treat them like grad school. You know, everyone talks about higher education and how it's not necessary anymore. And, and maybe that's true. I, I think it's all very, very specific to the person. But, you know, to uh, get into, you know, to business, to go to law school, to become a lawyer, to go to med school, to become a doctor, you have to go through higher education to be trained and treat those first two years uh, where you're going to make no money and just get beat up and be discouraged as your grad school. And just make sure you learn as much as possible. I honestly think that anybody could be a great salesperson. I think that just being great at sales is being great at maximizing your personality with other people um, and being able to have conversations. Like if you don't have a personality and you are unable to speak to somebody, then sure, maybe sales isn't for you. But I've yet to this day to meet anybody who has zero personality and can't hold a conversation. Right. That's it. Everything else on top of that is is technique and skill and things that you can learn, things that I've put in the book, but things that you can learn every single day. Um, and I, I guess I'll just end kind of this answer with uh, life is short. Like you want to be happy. Like don't get into sales if you're then not happy with it. Like there's going to be bad days, obviously. Yeah. But there's going to be bad days in, in any business. Like look at rock stars, look at, you know, famous actors, look at huge athletes. Like, you know, they're depressed half the time. You know, they're upset. They have bad days. But we sit back and we watch them and say, what do you have to be angry about? You're, 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 you're famous. You're rich. You're awesome at your, you know, your job. I wish I had what you had. So remember, everything is relative and just keep pushing through. But if at the end of the day, you're really unhappy, then you need to find something that makes you happy. And if that's doing something completely different, then you should go and do that because life is short. Yeah. And that's a good point on the learning aspect, too. I feel like a lot of people, we graduate school and we want to make a major impact and we want to you know, realize 20 years of success in the first three months. And you know, as Mark Cuban says, you're getting paid to learn. And so um, what was the learning process for you early on? I know you mentioned in your book, um, there was another broker that sat next to you or near you that was absolutely killing it. Um, he wouldn't tell you any of his secrets. You know, how was that, you know, the competition of that, how did that kind of fuel you early on? And, and how has that evolved as now you're competing still with other brokers and other businesses, but at a, at a larger scale now? You know, there's a, a great book, uh, not the one that I wrote, but it's called Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. Have you read that book? Unbelievable. Yeah, it's my favorite book of all time, probably. Yeah, it's, it's probably one of my favorite books. Except for yours. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> It's probably one of my favorite books ever. And at the end, he you know says after he founded Nike and he says he's worth $10 billion, you know, it's this whole crazy story. He says at the end, Nike probably wouldn't have existed without Adidas. Like it wouldn't be where it is today without Adidas because that, that competition, like that fire really pushes you to think outside of the box, go outside your cushion, 
right? Cushion, I, I literally, like the, the air, right? The Nike air, that cushion came from, we've got to do something different than the competition. Otherwise you get complacent. So like the competition that I have from day one, where the guy Ben sitting next to me in the office told me he's not going to tell me shit and I'm on it, I'm on my own to today where I'm competing with the top brokers in the world every day for, you know, billion dollar projects and $50 million listings is really what fuels me. Now, I think a huge part of me also fuels myself, like I'm my own worst enemy, at, you know, in, in that way. And kind of the fear of wasted potential every day fuels me. But if it weren't for the competition that I was going up against every day, I don't know if I'd push myself as hard, honestly. Yeah. Um, and I think that, that, you know, you need to find that person or that thing. And maybe at the beginning, you don't have anyone you're competing with other than yourself and your monthly bills. Like it's as simple as that. Yeah. And m probably my favorite part of Shoe Dog is the day after they IPO, he's worth hundreds of million dollars. I don't know the exact amount. Yeah. And he says, yeah, this, this is, he follows the same routine. He gets up at 5 a.m. He's the first one in the office. It's still dark outside and he just proceeds like it's any other day. Um, and I feel like that's something that I see you doing as you're, you're growing and building and building that you're continuing to push yourself and not uh, you know, resting on your laurels and not getting complacent. Is, is it how difficult of a process is that it's I mean, not really it's like you it's you don't want to you don't want to reinvent the wheel right so if for 10 years kind of structuring your day in one way waking up early uh working really hard is what gets you to where you are like i would be terrified to try to change that because it's you know it's the work ethic that produces the results um along with some luck right and some opportunity but it's really the work ethic day in and day out that gets you through the hurdles of tough situations and tough deals um, and tough days that enable you to be successful kind of uh, all around year in and year out. If I didn't do that, you know, and I wake up earlier now, like <laughs> the more successful I get, the earlier I wake up, the harder I work, the, the longer I am in the office. So um, because I have more to fight for, right? Yeah. And can you walk through I, I love the vlog where you, or maybe there's multiple where you walk through your day. Can you walk people through a typical Ryan Serhant day? Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, I wake up at, well, I get, my day really starts. I talk about this a lot. My day starts the night before. Yep. Like, I'm all about uh, two things. One, inbox zero, right? I think our lives, until the world changes, our lives, uh, especially in sales, are all in email. Right. And if you're not using email, if you're using like a Slack or something like that, then just that that's what I'm talking about. Kind of cleaning out your messages, cleaning out text messages, cleaning everything out so that tomorrow morning you start at zero as best you possibly can. And I do all of my follow up from the current day that I just went through to make sure everybody knows that I'm on top of it. And I touch base with everybody and everything I'm going to do tomorrow. So that way I'm waking up and everyone knows that we're confirmed everything's good if there's any issues that reminds people to get in touch with me so that's at night um i wake up then the next day at 4 30. i clean email for about half an hour uh from any emails that came in from the night before and even if, if i don't then i read the news you know i touch base i kind of see what's going on in the world what happened in the middle of the night anything um i go to the gym for an hour hour and a half i then come back i shower um i you know kiss my wife kiss the baby now that i have a baby um and then i go to work and then I'm, you know, I jump in the car and I'm in appointments or phone calls or meetings, basically on the half hour, every half hour for the entirety of the day. Um, now, sometimes I might film for million dollar listing for two hours, 
um, but then I'm right back at it. That's why I have the car so that I can never stop working so that no part of my day is wasted with commute. You know, like I'm, I'm a big proponent of spending all of your time doing only what you can do. And if there's something else you're doing that somebody else can do, invest in that person to help you do that so that you can spend more of your time doing what only you can do to be successful. And that like, that really comes down to the car and driver. Like I got a car and driver way before I could ever afford it, but I knew that I would work harder and get more done and be more productive if I invested into that kind of luxury. Um, and then I have a dinner event, maybe two, and then I come home, kiss my wife, kiss the baby, uh, clean email, follow up on everyone from the day, plan for tomorrow, go to bed probably around 11, 12, wake up at 4.30 and start all over again. Whew, that's a full day, people. That's a full day. And now I'm curious, you brought it up, and congratulations on you know the new addition to your family. Um, and I'm curious how that daily routine has progressed through the years, because I'm guessing when you started in 2008, and you started as a broker, that's not what your day looked like. And it's been small iterations to it that's added over time. Yeah. Now, how has that grown in relationship with, um, you know, your relationship with your wife, you know, like, and uh, giving her enough time and how has she, is she always comfortable with how much you're working, things like that, that um, I think any ambitious person, you know, kind yeah. of fears or thinks about in a relationship. Um, I would say that it's hard, right? It's hard at the end of the day, you know, especially now that we have the baby, like I want to be home and, um, and I can't, but you know, you have to have a supportive partner, someone who understands what you're doing and what you're doing is much bigger than you, much bigger than the family, you know, and we're also supporting the family. So, you know, there's no real pressure that way, but I try to make sure that anything I do after 6 PM, I check with her to make sure she's okay with it. Um, anything I do on Saturdays, if I have to work, you know, she's okay with it. So I can give, you know, some weekend time, some evening time. Um, and when I'm with them, I really try to be present, you know, like put the phone down. If someone calls, I'll pick it up because that's my job, right? I'm basically on call like a doctor 24 seven. Um, if emails are coming in, I, I answer them, but for the most part, I'm not just sitting there on my phone. Like I'm with them, I'm present, I'm engaging as much as I possibly can. And that's changed obviously as you know, from when we started dating to getting engaged to getting married to now having a baby. Um, and my daily schedule has obviously changed. But for the first couple of years, I'd never woke up as early as I do now because it was absolutely insane. And it was crazy. And I couldn't <laughs> believe that people would actually do that. Uh, and I would work out in the afternoon when I'd have a break between appointments or something. I'd work out in the evening. But then, you know, as you become more serious about your career and your job, right, you start to realize that every hour you have awake is incredibly valuable and is incredibly important. And it started to become uh, less productive for me to spend a, a really good working hour, either in the afternoon, the later morning or the evening on the gym, when I could just get that done first thing in the morning before anybody else woke up, I could send out emails in the morning before anybody else woke up. That way, the rest of my day, I can start getting ahead of everybody else. Right. So when they're in the gym, I'm working when they're, you know, going home early, I'm still working. And that's really been my MO for, for probably the last seven years. And what about weekends that you mentioned? And I've seen some posts around like, yeah, you got to put in some time on weekends if you want to be successful. How do you balance that between maybe detaching for half a day or a full day at certain points so you can recharge and come back ready? 
Yeah, every weekend is different, right? Yeah, I think that um, like some weekends I'll try to spend as much time with with wife and baby as possible. Other weekends I have to work the entire weekend, or I'm traveling. And I have yeah. a speaking engagement, right? I, I do a lot of speaking all over the world, and so a lot of times that eats into the weekends. Um, and I think you just have to be flexible and you have to have open and honest communication and you have to find ways to relax and recharge as best you possibly can. So whether that's, you know, not doing anything on a Sunday until noon, um, and having brunch, right. And really hanging out or trying to sleep in as best you can, or just laying in bed together for an extra two hours and doing nothing. Like that's all you really need, but taking two full days to then drink shop, and do nothing productive, I think honestly wears people out more because then it affects their Monday. Either they're tired or they have like, you know, a case of the the Debbie Downers on Monday. And then it affects their Friday because all they're waiting for is the weekend to show up. So then you're really, really only very productive three days out of the week. That's three out of seven. Multiply that times the year and look at how many days you're wasting for the entire year. Like that's that blows my mind that people are okay doing that. And I think they just don't even think about it. Yeah. That was the number one game changer for me when, um, I really stopped partying probably two or so years ago and understanding not only do you have that time back at night, say, instead of going to taco Tuesday, you know, now you have time to work and you have time to, or, you know, do something to make yourself better, but it's also the next day and the next day and the next day when you just feel like dog shit, um, that now you can be productive and you can outwork people and, and you can put yourself ahead. Um, how on the same topic of time management, not being complacent, can you talk through what your goal setting process looks like? I know that you you obviously want to maximize your time and you want to maximize your impact and what you can do. So how does that relate to the way that you set goals for speaking, for selling, for your team, for the book, the shows, everything that you do? How do you how do you center that? Um, I, I try to set goals. Like, you know, at the beginning of every year, I'll set deal goals, sales goals, and income goals for the year. Um, and I'll adjust as I need to. But there's a certain amount I know I want for myself and my team to sell every single month. And so that breaks down kind of by week. Um, uh, but that's like, that's our number. And it's, it's kind of dependent on the market, dependent on what our projects are like, you know, kind of what we're going to be selling this year, what the is it a buyer's market? Is it a seller's market? Things really change that way. Um, but every year I try to push it just a little bit. Like we sell a lot at the moment. So it's, I used to, when I first started, I wanted to double my income every year, which was easy, yeah. right? Relatively. I mean, my first year I made $9,000. So my second year I wanted to make <laughs> 20. And then after that, it was kind of like, I want to make 40 to 50. And after that, I wanted to make 100 and so on and so forth. Um, now it's a little bit hard to do that. Um, but it's, so it's about like agent growth. So like the team this year, I want to add one new person to the team who's qualified and has been in the business for at least five years each month. So by the end of the year, I expect to have 12 new team members who are incredibly qualified, um, uh, which is something I'm looking forward to. Last year, I added a lot of younger talent to the team and really, really molded them. And they've all been doing really, really great. This year, I'm switching it up a little bit. And I think that's kind of what I'll do next year, too. Maybe I'll go back to younger talent, something like that. Um, I'm planning on a second book right now. Uh, and I really want to get that underway for this year. Um, and I also want to make sure I'm doing one to two speaking engagements every month because I also enjoy speaking to salespeople because it helps me understand my business better. I, I love the Q&A sections of every speaking engagement I do because I get questions from people who sell, you know, 
cruise line packages or manhole covers, or I just gave a speech to people who sell traffic lights to municipalities. Like that's, that's a group who had questions for me that I had never even thought about ever. Um, and it, you know, it, it kind of keeps my brain moving. It keeps me creative. So honestly, at the end of the day, I like to try to do just as much as I possibly can without losing my mind. Yeah. And how do you, you we mentioned shoe dog earlier. Um, it's something that I haven't heard you talk too much about, but how do you go about your learning? Like, how do you get better? Is it reading? Is it podcasts? Is it mentoring or networking with other people that you admire? Or how do you get better? Um, I put a lot of expectations on top of myself uh, for myself, and I put a lot of kind of expectations on the team to hold mm. on. Right, so I want them to always want me to do better, because at the same time, otherwise they're going to leave. Again, like complacency is death. So if I just do things day in, day out, the same way I do them every single year, eventually my team's going to leave because they're going to get bored, right? Like their progress is happiness. So they want to stay happy. They want to stay productive. And so I need to consistently change and change things up. And you do that by watching the competition. You do that by watching the competition, not just in your market, but in kind of every market, right? Like how are brokers selling property in LA and Minnesota and Hong Kong? Like Let's compare. How are they marketing? What are they doing differently? How are they using Facebook and Instagram in ways that maybe we don't even know how yet? Let's learn that and let's do that. You know, like maybe we have to also take it back to basics a little bit. Like let's 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 put the cycle of marketing, you know, back into play and go back to direct mail and back to billboards and things like that next year because that could be different. So, I um, a big part of the book too is uh, like you asked me right how to structure my day and, and what I figured out early on was I had to as an entrepreneur. And as a salesperson who has no boss, really, I had to make sure I didn't lose my mind by making myself as busy as possible and as productive as possible. And I broke my day down into three, three time blocks. And I called it finder, keeper, doer. And the first time block of the day was the finder time. The middle block of the day was the keeper time. And then the end block of the day was the doer time. And the finder time was all about brainstorming and finding new business. So how can I do that? And today that's know what listings are coming up that I can go after who has new podcasts that I can be on case in point you and me talking right now right like what can I do for the book to push it out there what can I do for the vlog force yourself to brainstorm every day kind of as your own personal CEO and you will do more work um, the middle part of the day is the keeper time which is where I really focus on like the keeping of the finances and advertising and if I have $10 to spend today, what can I spend it on? And then the rest of the day is the doer time. That's the foot soldier time. That's actually getting all the work done. That's putting anything I came up with during the first two time blocks into action. And so by breaking my day down that way, when I first started in the business, all of a sudden I didn't just have one appointment at one o'clock, right? And then what do I do with the rest of my day? I now had a lot of stuff to do all day long that was going to help me build a career instead of just showing up every day for a job. Yeah, and I think that speaks also to the value of setting up your day. You talked about it earlier. You talk about uh, setting up the night before. That's when your day really starts. And understanding and, and putting off those 30 or 60-minute blocks of what you're going to do. Otherwise, time can kind of get away from you. Yeah. Um, and this is a random question, but I see on a lot of the vlogs, I think I see it now. You've got all these wristbands on your right wrist. What's what's up with that? Of these? Um, yeah. Yeah, no, they're they're uh, Pura Vida bracelets. There's a company called Pura Vida based yeah. in San Diego, and I got my first one when I was in Hawaii in 2014, and it's still there, and it hasn't fallen off. And then people have just sent me different ones over the years. Like, there's a pink one on here from a fan who 
watched Million Dollar Listing while um, she was undergoing breast cancer treatments. There's mm-hmm. one on here for prostate cancer. There's one on here that I don't even. Someone just sent this to me um, uh, because they, you know, they said that the vlog got them into sales and it changed their life. Like so, little things like that. One on one on the wrist is because we saved a rhino when we were in South Africa. Like we paid to have a a rhino tagged so that the poachers wouldn't kill it. Um, and when you do that, they give you a little bracelet. So I wore that. And that's basically it. All, they've all that's got cool. kind of different random meanings. Got it. That's cool. That's cool. Um, all right. Now I know we're, we're coming up on time. Uh, the last thing before we could talk about where people can find you, find the book. Um, there's a lot of people out listening that are 25, 30. They're in the job likely to be sales or marketing and they, they just don't like it or they're going through a tough time yeah. and they're hitting the, that March slump maybe in sales where you're hot to come out of the year and then the real you know kind of uh, obstacles start coming your way. What would yeah. you tell those people to help push through this week? I would say there's, you know, that March slump is completely psychological. Like figure out ways to treat March the same way you do January and everybody's going to do that in a totally different way. But set new goals for yourself instead of just relying on a New Year's resolution or monthly goals that you set for yourself when you started the year. Set new, set new ones. Make them different, and also shock your body. Do something different. You know, if you if you like going for a run, like maybe jump into it and start doing rowing for the entire month of March. Do something different that shocks your body. If you work out at night, work out in the morning. If you're not physical whatsoever get physical in some way, shape or form. Or if you're really physical and you work out every day, maybe take some time off, put an extra hour every week or two hours every week back into the office where you can brainstorm that now you have because you don't have to train for the triathlon that you typically train for in March. And try to switch something up so that your brain and your body realizes that something new is going on and it'll trigger you to produce more. It's just, it's just natural the way it works. That's awesome. Um, all right, Ryan, I know we, we've got the shows, we've got the vlog, we've got the book. Can you tell us where the easiest places to find you all over the, the internet? Um, I am on everything. You go to my website, ryansirhan.com. I got Merv yep. there, lots of fun broker stuff. If you want to see my listings and all the real estate we do, that's sirhanteam.com. Uh, you can find the vlog, YouTube slash Ryan Sirhant, and then everywhere on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter at Ryan Surant. Uh, and you can pick up the book and Amazon or pick up the audible. I read it. I think like you listen to it. Um, I think it's, I actually like listening to it better than, than reading it because you hear it from my voice and all my inflections. Um, and you can always email me Ryan at Ryan Let me know what your thoughts are. And if you have a buyer or a seller in New York, Florida, you know, California or anywhere, let me know. And maybe we can work on it together. Awesome. Thank you so much, Ryan. Uh, appreciate the time. Carry on with your Monday, sir. All right, man. I'll talk to you later. All right. Cheers. Thank you for listening to that episode of the Millennial Momentum Podcast. Remember, you can follow me at Tommy Tahoe, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, millennialmomentum.net. Please subscribe and review this show on iTunes. It means the world of difference. Have a great day. Be awesome. 